Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome everybody, this is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 217. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas, so grab a globe, spin it around. Bang, not sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And we are currently out of the COVID protocol for the moment. So we are actually in studio. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and each of us are on our own spiritual journey. And I suspect that you are too if you've been listening to us for some time. We feel all men are leaders, leaders of your family, leaders at work, leaders in your church and community. But sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged. And that's why we're here. So whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, our website, man-upspiritualoasis.com, or pray.com, we're glad you are joining us. And so we're on this No Church Answers tour, and we're glad that you joined us. And what we do here is we take an ABF, or Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School lesson, and... We have a brief overview of it. We read the scripture, then we dive in deeper with our panel, and we kind of unpeel it like an onion, update it, put a man's spin on it, and get away from those church answers. Um, we used uh, a lot of different publications. We're currently in, it's a called Connect 360. It's by Baptist Way Press. This is Solomon, No Ordinary Kind of Wisdom. And this is a real uh, man type of uh, lesson that we're going through right now. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce our panel. I'm going to go around first before we get an overview and just introduce them as well. Uh, World-class policy writer and professional gambler, our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. All right, Steve. Hey, Hey, Steve. Steve. And he's an attorney and prosecutor and uh lately a scuba diver so blah, 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 blah. uh that's the judge michael cropper <laughs> don't get the bends yeah. welcome don't get the bends S- up slowly mike slow exhale uh, on the way up <laughs> oh, uh, right corporate trainer and theologian we call him the professor robert koshu is here robert Insurance broker and deacon. He's from Louisiana. We don't hold that against him. Kyle Trahan is here. Hey, Kyle. Hello, Kyle. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically a salesman and the director. I'm going to go just go ahead and dive right into this lesson. This is a man lesson, but it's different from what the author said. And with that, I'm going to go right. And, And Steve Titch, our producer, is awesome with her his production notes. So thanks so much. I'm going to go ahead and let Steve go ahead and kick this uh, podcast off. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. going to talk. Um, well, we we start this uh, we start this podcast by saying we believe all men are leaders, and even more so, men are really expected to be leaders, even though sometimes society and culture discounts that. And this is a great lesson to talk about that because uh, it's. On the surface, it's going to take us through parts of the temple, and we're going to get into the pillars. And the author of this lesson draws a parallel between the pillars of the temple, which were some 50, 55 feet high, and now in this, in this post-spirit, post-Christ era, uh, the, that we individuals become pillars. And, and that, that led me uh, maybe to follow the analogy a bit because I think, I think it's time to maybe assess where, where, where you stand. Now, I look around the church and I see people who fit different descriptions to keep the analogy of the temple going. I, there, there are the churchgoers who are part of the woodwork. 
Uh, they're uh, you know blending in, sit in the back. They bolt for the exit as soon as the benediction begins. Uh, they don't want to be noticed. They, they, they come to church just to go to church to do their Sunday duty and are in and out and don't have much to do with it. They're part of the woodwork. Uh, then you have the ornamental decorations, which are talked about at length in this passage. Uh, now, there are people at church who you could call ornamental decorations. They're, they're seen, they're admired, uh, everybody talks to them, they dress well, they may even be leaders in, an, in a way, uh, big wheels in the community, but ultimately, in terms of their church leadership, they're superfluous, uh, they're replaceable, and sometimes, like decorations, they're very fragile. And then you have the pillars, which I think is where, where we all want to be and where we should be, and again, I think where we're expected to be. Wow. The support <laughs> I, 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 structure. I, I, the support that, structure. That was awesome. I, didn't, I did not expect <laughs> that. So uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and make Kyle follow that. <laughs> <laughs> he does not yes, have a I picture of me. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, go ahead. You take it I get there. thrown under the bus. It doesn't matter who I follow out of these guys. I, right. I may get away if I follow Bill, but he still usually trumps me. So, you know, hey. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll go in a different direction here. Um, you know, on Sunday I had to uh, go to another class, just uh, some of my duties around here. And uh, so I get to steal material from other people. So, you know, I hope he's not mad at me. But uh, so I, I was uh, in David Brothers class on Sunday. And, you know, he's a uh, uh, quite a funny guy. I, I've talked to him some, but uh, he, he was cracking the room up. But uh, he was talking about the threshing floor, you know, that this is where, you know, the, the threshing floor was where the temple was built, right? So, you know, I knew some of the threshing floor, but it's on Mount Mora or Moriah? Moriah. Moriah. Moriah, however you want to call it. All right. So, um, you know, he purchased the threshing floor, but the floor itself, the threshing floor was on an elevated site, right? So it's up on a hill somewhere, and all of the rocks have pretty much been removed from the area. And so you're going to have this nice big level plateau uh, of packed dirt. And they would have a team of animals, ox or donkeys or whatever, pull this large... A piece of wood basically across the grain, which would separate the the grain from the shaft, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, and then, because it's on this elevated side of the mountain kind of a thing, they would throw everything up into the air, and the grain was heavy enough to settle, but the trash was blown away and you know I had never really again knew what a, th- a threshing floor was but it really gave me an interesting look at it and then I started thinking well where was that within the you know the temple where you know what was on the threshing floor what do you guys know that because I, I have no, huh it was the floor this is the threshing floor David bought David bought David paid cash. Well, no, I know, but what but I'm it, saying it is, was the, the threshing what, floor became the floor of the temple because it was just flat. became okay. Yeah, because it was flat. The location, and, well, the location. Right. That's correct. And, and that's correct. I, I think there's some interesting. We'll talk about it. And I'm not going to do anything else, but I think it's interesting to talk about David paying cash for that floor. He didn't. Right. The guy offered it, and David said, "No, no, no, no. I'll pay you for it." Yeah. All right, uh, Michael Cropper, you're. Uh, Opening thoughts. He's still over Your there making take. notes. He's still making oh, notes. Making what do you take? Uh, <laughs> my computer screen won't work. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> folks, just remind we're <laughs> in lesson six. Uh, prayer for, uh, pardon me, lesson four was prayer for wisdom. Uh, David is gone. Solomon reigns. God exalts him greatly. In other words, we're getting started this from the very beginning. The reason I bring that up, folks, I just want to remind you that, that David, before he passed away, he told Solomon specifically, you're going to build the temple to God. And he gave him that assignment. And it's an enormous undertaking. And we figure he's, what, 20 years old? He's a pretty young guy. 
but David also provides him with a lot of uh, a lot of preparation and knowledge and plans to how, on how to build it. Uh, then in lesson five, ready to build, Solomon, David has passed away, and Solomon is, is asking Hiram the, Hiram, the king of Tyre, to help him with workers and materials to build the temple. And Solomon tells Hiram the purpose for the temple. And once again, I repeat this because this is important. He says, it's to worship my God with burning sweet incense, presenting showbread to him, offering burnt offerings in the morning and the evening. And he says, at the, and at the appointed times, which will be the new harvest and the moon, Sabbath, and any festivals and celebrations they have. And he says, this is very important. He says, well, let me, let me, let me go on with what I, my thought is. Solomon also asks Hiram to help build the temple, and he offers to trade him wheat, barley, oil, wine for timber and craftsmen who can form gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and crimson, which he's going to use in the temple. And Hiram blesses the God of Israel for providing a wise king. Now, today's lesson's text is about building the temple and the mighty impression of beauty and strength it's going to portray. Now, although much of the lesson provides the dimensions of the temple, the author provides us some history on how the location was determined. And I think Robert just mentioned that, and also maybe Steve, the threshing floor of Ormon or Arama, depending on which book you look at, Arana. And, and, and really, the lesson is all about strength, power, and might. And he's going to portray the temple as being an impressive building that portrays this as well by the two pillars I think Steve mentioned. The, 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 the name of the lesson, Bill, you mentioned that too, right? Pillars in the house of God. The pillars, we are talking about Solomon's temple, and the two front pillars on the front of it are, are huge. Uh, in fact, Steve said the pillar is, what, five, 55 to 60 foot tall. Yeah. And then what the author is going to do, we're going to relate this to us as individuals in a church. And whether or not we meet up with what might be considered a pillar in our church. And who do we hold as pillars? And I mentioned to Steve, right, we were starting the guys. Uh, folks, when you're a pillar in your church, and, and we will go into those characteristics, I'm sure. Uh, you also need to be a, a pillar in, in your job, in your community, in your family as well. Bill? Excellent. Uh, professor, your uh, yeah, brief I, overview. I think it's interesting to compare. So, so the author chose these as pillars. And the pillars were actually given names. There were two pillars, one on each side. One was called Jachin, and the other was called Boaz. Jachin literally translates to he establishes and Boaz translates to, in him is strength. And I think that ends up being two very good points to jump off from to start discussing what a pillar does and not a physical pillar like we're talking about here because everybody knows what pillars do. You know, they hold up, they support, they do those things. But what do the pillars that we're going to talk about, men in particular as leaders, what are they responsible for? Can I throw one little thing in there? Ties exactly what you were saying. I was just looking back through the lesson, and the author wrote a sentence. A pillar is someone, even today, who strengthens the entire body of Christ. And as men, that's something that we have to strive to do, strengthen the body of Christ. Right. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, the scripture for the today's podcast it's second chronicles 3 1 through 17 then solomon began to build the house of the lord in jerusalem on mount moriah where the lord had appeared to david his father at the place that david has appointed on the threshing floor of oman the jebusite he began to build in the second month of the fourth year of his reign these are solomon's measurements for building the house of god the length in cubits of the old standard was 60 cubits, and the breadth 20 cubits. The vestibule in front of the nave of the house was 20 cubits long, equal to the width of the house, and its height was 120 cubits. He overlaid it on the inside with pure gold. The nave he lined with cypress and covered it with fine gold and made palms and chains on it. He adorned the house with settings of precious stones. The gold was gold from Parvium. 
So he lined the house with gold, its beams, its threshold, its walls, and its doors. And he carved cherubim on the walls. And he made the most holy place, its length corresponding to the breadth of the house, was 20 cubits, and its breadth was 20 cubits. He overlaid it with 600 talents of fine gold. The weight of the gold for the nails was 50 shekels. And he overlaid the upper chambers with gold. The most highly placed he made two cherubim of wood and overlaid them with gold. The wings of the cherubim together extended 20 cubits. One wing on the one of five cubits touched the wall on the house, and its other wing of five cubits touched the wing on the other cherub. And on this cherub, one wing of five cubits touched the wall of the house, and the other wing, also of five cubits, was joined to the wing of the first cherub. The wings of these cherubim extended 20 cubits. The cherubim stood on their feet facing the nave, and he made the veil of blue and purple and crimson fabrics and fine linen, and he worked cherubim on it. In front of the house, he made two pillars, 35 cubits high, with a capital of five cubits on the top of each. He made chains like a necklace and put them on the top of the pillars, and he made a hundred pomegranates and put them on the chains. He set up the pillars in front of the temple, one on the south and the other on the north. On the south, he called Jachin, and on the north, Boaz. Now, I'm sure from my reading, you were able to put a diagram together of, of that. And probably there are many different diagrams of the temple right. of Solomon. If you go right. Google, you Google that, folks, and you will get many different interpretations on what they are. I don't go very many places with a tape measure, but I left the one with cubits in the car. Yeah, so, you did. You know, so. Real quick, the <laughs> definition of pillar uh, is very simple, but... It, Webster gives two definitions that covers both of what we're talking about right now. One is a tall vertical structure of stone, wood, or metal used as a support for building uh, or as an ornament or a monument, which I think w the one on Solomon was used for that. And then the second definition is a person or thing regarded as reliably providing essential support for something. He was a pillar in the community. And we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This is Man Up, podcast number 217. And then we're going to be back talking about how you can be a pillar. Uh, we'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, podcast number 217. What we're talking about, this is uh, the study of Solomon and no ordinary kind of wisdom. We're talking about pillars in the house of God is the title of this particular lesson. But we're going to kind of go veer off into leadership on this particular uh, subject. And what I just wanted to go out <clears throat> and talk about, um, I, I'm blessed. I have a son who's who's 22 or 23 and and or whatever, whatever it or, takes. Or, or, right yeah whatever it takes They're all 30, the same 30, that 37 age. whatever <laughs> no but um and, and it's kind of funny we were just talking just I was just threw it out talking about leadership and he says you know funny thing dad leaders it's much different nowadays it's not just the oldest guy or the guy that has been there the longest anymore. And I thought about that, and, you know, I mean, that is, that's pretty insightful. And I just want to throw out a couple of things. There's a difference between mentoring and leadership. 
Mentoring is when you have just basically a going concern and you're mentoring people. And that's the big part of your leadership, okay? Leadership really has to rear its head when there's a crisis. Crisis calls for strong leadership. And, you know, you think about mentoring, you think about the guy that puts his arm around you and says, I know that's hard for you, Steve, but we're going to attack this prog- this problem and we're going to help you get this. You know what I'm saying? That's a, that's a good mentor. The guy that comes during, appears at crisis, this kind of always seems to be like the, uh, the James Bond the, or the the dirty Harry, the, the, the person that is single. He doesn't have his family, so he risks his life for the good of the group. And you don't feel bad because you don't know anything about the family. You, 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 you know what I'm saying? Whereas you, you, the, the vision of a mentor is a good, caring, kind of nurturing family type of person. Whereas the guy that comes when you need it most the patent you know that guy is is a soul lone ranger that comes and saves the day i think that's different kinds well, of leadership that's a, that's a that's what you're giving it an archetype almost and and it's one one aspect of the cultural side that isn't ex- it's well so let's say it's a bit exaggerated i think you're absolutely right um crisis brings out leaders but crisis doesn't create leaders. Individuals are able to assume leadership because they have a certain level of discipline, a certain ability to think and stay rational in a, in a crisis situation, and a, and a talent for making the right decisions. And then all that comes from experience. Leaders do not come out suddenly. Uh, they they may their their skills their leadership abilities may come out fast, but that's what's latent coming to the fore, and those abilities are cultivated and they're cultivated by values, and that's where I would differ from the whole the James Bond illustration the Dirty Harry situation, which I am big fan I'm of, of both both their both heroes films. are not necessarily both, both films, films but right. yeah right. and and right. but but the the real leaders are the guys who are there every day it's it's not that they come out all of a sudden wholly formed and I'm going back to the values of this because I think I think this is where Christianity comes in I think there's a lot, you know, there's a lot to be said about what Christianity and a Christian living cultivates that builds real leaders, real life leaders, not the TV leaders, not the not the leaders that the, the media are celebrating, but the leaders. And, and I'm not talking about the guy who can get up and you know give a pep talk to a thousand people and lead them all. I'm talking about leaders in your family, the guy, the father. The, the committee leader who has to deal with, with things. The, the, and, and there are so many of those people around the church. And again, in many cases, they're unsung. But you know there are, there are people in this church who say, if you, want, if, you, if, you, if you really want this youth education, this youth program to work, well, go talk to Robert. Go talk to Robert Koshu. If you want to, I'm speaking immodest here. Right? To come if you, uh, if you <laughs> that want, was an example. If you want somebody <laughs> right. to put a first-rate... DJ entertainment package right. for our church barbecue. Go talk I to would, Bill Cox. I was thinking and, Mike. And, and, right. and not, only, not only that, not only that, you're right. good at it because it's known that you will rise to the occasion. You will follow okay. through. Right, right. You, you, <laughs> you know, and the thing about leadership, though, is, and this is one of the cornerstones that I feel about um, Man Up. And if you ever have the opportunity to come to a Man Up uh, ABF Adult Bible Fellowship here at Sugarland Baptist Church, you come once, you visit. The next week, you come and you teach. <clears throat> a couple reasons why. Uh, big uh, main reason is when you teach, we'll learn more about you. We'll learn more about your style and mm-hmm. stuff and what's important to you because we have these lessons. And it, it's small group discussion, kind of like what we have here. <clears throat> but another reason, though, is this. In life, I think men 
get trained for leadership so much but never get the opportunity to use it or either they don't get the opportunity or they don't seize the opportunity and i take myself as an example i work as a project manager and i do remodeling and i sell and stuff i use contractors i don't have employees why i don't want to be that babysitter okay i i don't i'll do it i'll lead the man up because those people that come to man up people that are listening to the show they have something that they're yearning for <laughs> anymore i can't depend on my paycheck motivating uh anybody so i i don't i'm not necessarily a leader in that part of my life and i choose not to be and i and i think that's what's happening with people they they're having the opportunity men because we've been i mean lately with all the stuff that's going on you're uh, like I told my wife, um, I'm not only just trying to make a profit, I'm really trying to not be sued. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah. I, you, you know what I'm saying? And that's I why think, he hires people. He <laughs> that's why I hire contractors, contractors right? and, and I and don't and hire Bill, Bill, employees. I'm going to jump in real quick on that because the, the one thing I'll, I'll say is men today and people in general, but men today, they have a misnomer. They think that a manager is automatically a leader. And those are I'm entirely two different yeah. skill sets. My, oh, God, my, yeah. my joke with people is, is I, I've been a manager. I've been a leader. I lead my team. I don't manage my team. I hire the right people to do the job, and then we take care of it. If I have to go from leader to manager – my statement is at that point, I am managing. I'm managing them right to the door as we go out. Leadership is a different set. And, and good leaders are mentors. A good leader will mentor because he will always be looking for, when, when I move up into Bill's place as director of this class, who's going to replace me doing what I do? So they are always trying to find the next one thing about a leader is he's always trying to find the next leader so he's going to mentor as a part of that the other piece of it is that good leaders will have other leaders follow along with them right that they will that a good leader will attract other leaders part of what i'll be honest part of what made Sugarland Baptist Church what it is today is we have had phenomenal leadership pastors on our staff who have attracted strong you know my, my one of my favorite things we ever did was we did a, a scavenger hunt driving one year for a disciple now with the church and let's just say we're not allowed to do that activity anymore it had something to do with one of the guys was driving the church bus like a ferrari i might have used my vehicle to block him so that my group could get ahead of him with my other car. <laughs> and we were the minor examples. <laughs> Someone else stopped in the middle of town center, put his flashers on so the kids could bail out and do the activity. Um, and, and I Things walked. got competitive. <laughs> well, <laughs> well but, 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 and this is my point. So we get over to the dog park over at University Park here in Sugarland, and I run into one of our staff members at that time. And he looked at me and he was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I was kind of like, okay, seriously, you put a bunch of type A personality leadership people together and said, we're going to do this, and it's a race. What did you think was going to happen exactly? <laughs> I mean, we're all highly competitive. But that's what leaders do, as Bill said at the beginning. Leaders look at a situation, they analyze the situation, they take charge of the situation, and then they lead their group to figure it out as they go through and doing all of that is a necessary requirement. Go back to the pillars, kind of where we started to kind of bring it back in. He establishes, right? And then in him is strength. 
to establish something is to start it or put it together or be there with it. And then the second one is holding the strength up of that. Both of those are leadership because you're going to establish first what you have to accomplish and then you're going to provide the strength and support to your team to accomplish that goal that you're heading towards. Mm-hmm. Kyle Trahan. You know, being a leader takes certain qualities. And sometimes when you're developing those as a child or a young man, and that's being put down, that you shouldn't quite be that way. Maybe it's the environment or the parentals that you grew up with or your whatever. That's why boys need fathers. Uh, very much so. Well, uh, because, yes. because, <laughs> yes. because aggressiveness is, um, I mean, fathers, good fathers teach good sons how to, how to assert and be aggressive without being jerks. Well, I'm, that's, I'll, that's all I'll say. You can, you can infer everything true. else from that. <laughs> that. That's true. But, you know, my, my point was that if we remember that we are more precious than the temple that was built, more precious than any of the metals or gems or wood or anything else they did to build this temple. We were designed by God in his own image to be his temple, right? And I think a lot of times we may forget that. And being the strength, relying on God for the strength is what we need to kind of remember is... Sometimes that's not always the pretty sight either. Hopefully we do it honorably and everything, but sometimes that's not always the prettiest sight. In the crisis, sometimes the leader doesn't come back and put the little gold on the brick road, right? He's the one that demolishes a bunch of stuff because that's what he's got to do, and it's not always pretty. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I think for us it's really – just relying on God's strength to push us to be the pillars in his world. My other point, real quick, and then I see a couple of heads bobbing over here, anxious to talk, is, uh, you know, I can imagine Solomon walking through this temple day by day and watching the construction. And, Bill, you're in there. I've done construction. My family was builders and everything. I love watching that stuff. I can only imagine something so grand being built. And you're like, I mean, you're not the designer, of course. That was God. And you were handed it to from David. But you're the constructor. You're, you're the contractor that is able to build it. And I would have just loved walking around and looking at, you know, the wood, the wood craftsman making the cherubims and then the guy coming behind it to wrap it in gold. I mean, that's two different total sets. You probably got gym guys laying the eyes or something. Just the amount and the magnitude of it all is, is awesome. They wouldn't be laying it in mortar until I had my cubit stick in my square to make sure it was <laughs> And all. your Stanley ruler That's with right. cubits on it, right? Right, my plumb line, too. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take our uh, second break. We will be right back. This is Man Up. You are listening to the Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest-growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, uh, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 217. We're getting down to the end. And, you know, I do uh, show prep before I come here. And I did write something down and unfortunately has not come around. So I'm going to throw it out there anyway. It'll probably mean nothing to anybody. But the leader, what matters is the person with the quickest trigger finger. You know, and in a way, and because I've worked for uh, people that had small companies and I had one boss 
and I loved working for him because he was quick on his feet as far as a leader. He would put a new uh, a new policy in on Monday, and if it didn't work by Tuesday, it was discarded on Wednesday. You know, and there it, that was his le- leadership style. And in a way, in a church, how many times have you seen people that you know for a fact they have the talent if they would just jump in? I'm I'm gonna, I'm glad that cause this is the direction we should we should go in this because this is an opportunity for men to be involved in the church and. You close every podcast by saying, if there's no men's ABF, there's no men's Bible study class, start one. And in most churches, most churches are <laughs> really want somebody to step up. If you, right. if you want to do something in your church or have an idea, chances are, I mean, chances are you can... You could probably start it without telling anybody, but if you if you even if you put a bug in an, an assistant pastor's ear, they'll probably say sure. So to use that example of the of the Bible study, believe me, churches are are, are right now are trying to get everybody back to church, but but one one big thing is men, and so many churches, so many activities at church are built around couples. With so women or couples. That means a lot of things get get fall in the cracks. Well, that's one of and, the reasons. And, but that's yeah. and that's the opportunity for you know, for you know whether you're married, single, whatever. If if you if you are involved, if you go to church, if if you're listening and you're and you're a Christian, and you're looking for something to do, don't be afraid to step up. And you'll probably surprise yourself. And and Kyle just said it. The Lord will give you the strength if you if you hear this calling, you'll and, and it does not have to be an ABF. It doesn't have to be a Bible study. It can be something that you see needs to be done, and all you need to get is a couple of your buds together, and suddenly you got something going. If it <laughs> like two hundred and seventeen yeah. podcasts. If it, if it um, speaks yeah. to you, yeah. <laughs> right? If it speaks to you somebody else is probably thinking the same thing. Right. Stepping in and stepping up and manning up, if we will, for that fun one. You know, just uh, for me here at church, you know, uh, you see me walking around. I've got the little earpiece. I feel like, you know, secret service and all of that. Um, You know, and people go, where'd you get that? Amazon? What, the church didn't buy that for you? No, they didn't even ask me to do it. I just grabbed a radio and a beeper and said hey i'm on the uh, rapid response team if somebody goes down for a medical reason i will be right there you know um but this past sunday you know we're getting back to finally getting back totally out and we passed the offertory plate for the first time in what 18 months or some craziness um you know you can always drop it at the door you know if you're attending our church we got them all over the place don't leave without putting money in there um you know just to make taylor happy uh, but uh, we were really, really short upstairs. You know, we have a, a large floor plan here. And, uh, you know, I just walked up and you just, I'd walk up with a plate and go, you look like you're bored. You're helping. <laughs> and they're like, well, what do I do? Make it up. <laughs> You've seen this done, yeah. you know. And so I just walked around and I grabbed about seven guys upstairs and just by tapping on my shoulder, I didn't see you, but you would have been there, Steve, because you sit upstairs yeah, usually. I, was not, I, I probably I was not in church up there too because I was not there this past. Summer. I know. I'm, I noticed. Trust <laughs> me, I noticed. Otherwise, you would have got a plate. But you know, some of it is, you know, recognizing those areas that would if I wasn't there that Sunday and we were still really light. It's look around and go, oh, we don't have enough guys. Well, the little things in the back of the you know pew, but there's always opportunity. You know, you come here, they're doing something in the kitchen. Walk up if you got the time and say, "Hey, can I help anything?" And that is being the hands and feet of Christ. I think a lot of people, uh, number one, they might be shy, okay, and they don't think, "Well, I don't really have that's I'm not that's not my pay grade or that's not what I'm supposed to do." And then there's all the other thing is, I don't want to do that. 
that's the the person that wants to when they when they do something they want to come up bottom of the ninth bases are loaded down by three they want to hit the grand slam home run and run across home plate and have everybody mob them. They no, want to be the ornamental decoration. That's right, yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. But, but there's so many things that need to be done that aren't necessarily that way. And it might be right in your wheelhouse like me. I love being a DJ and I love being on the tech team. Every All the techies, they're kind of geeky. They're all really smart. And the gear we have is just great. It's a train set. It's awesome. <laughs> it's uh, it's and the talent. I've been up on the third floor. It's a it's a full. It, I've seen. It's better it's equipped huge. than some network trailers. It's <laughs> awesome, and we have symphony talent come in, and so I I mean, there's all these talented people and me, <laughs> you know, and it's great. It's great. I get to serve, and and in a way, that's that's uh, just a component of my leadership and helping them. You know. well, and, and the other thing is, I've been teaching up in, on the third floor with our young people for 20-something years now. And I like it when we get new people because, come on, let's talk. <laughs> you know, it's one of those, I, I take some of them mentoring, or I try to, or I'm, I'm willing to. You know, for people that want to come in and teach young people, hey, you know, because teaching young people is not the same as teaching adults. I do both. Trust me, it's not the same. <laughs> but it's but it's find your niche. But then once you find the niche, be willing to share your talent. I I think that's another one of the big lessons as far as a leader goes. Is as I said before, you're mentoring as a leader because you're also willing to train up the next person on what to do, so that you're so that they're able to come in and help out. And take over. And well, no matter what, that. you're not going to last forever. That's I, correct. We are all mortal. I, I do have one thing because I know Mike brought it up, um, and and I do want to extend it slightly. Uh, we, we're talking we're talking about being a pillar of leadership in the context of the church, inside church, inside ministry stuff. But what about taking that outside? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, you have an object. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, throw, folks, yeah. throwing that to you, Mike. <laughs> All right. Folks, everything you would want to do in the church, and we have been strictly on the church, you take, you've got a location here at the church that you want to be a mentor, you want to be a leader, you want to be a pillar. And by the way, as, as Bill said, a, a leader and a pillar are two different people. You can be a pillar by being consistent, by, being, by maintaining. I was number two in the city of Houston prosecutor's office for 12, 14 years, I didn't know I had an effect on the people in my office, but I was always there. My door was always open. They could come and ask me for advice. I had people from all over the city, inspectors in different divisions, who would call me constantly and ask me to either write, write laws for them, complaints for them, um, write information for them, opinions for them. And my door was always open. And when I left there, I got a, an award from one of the department's divisions. I had all sorts of Facebook comments uh telling how great i was and they were going to miss me i was so surprised it it was it had become a habit to me right guys when you do the right thing and you do it consistently over and over again and you're available for people and you are there to give them advice or help them as a mentor as robert mentioned uh folks it will become easy for you to do now coming to what they said application to the church and 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 you take everything you learn at the church, and you take it to work, and 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 that means honesty, moral, le- leading the group, being strong in what you believe, consistent. You may be, you may have to be careful in how you project Christ. Uh, you may not want to, you may not be able to present the gospel in a manner that's like preaching. But Jesus did say, "Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves." So you think about how you can project the gospel or present the gospel to them and your attitude toward people. Enjoy happiness. And, and, and the main thing that Jesus did here that comes up, and, and we did not get into this, is sacrificing. And the guys have said this pretty much. They say when you work, Kyle is a deacon. Bill works in the electronic area, um, the digital area with cameras, soundboard, whatever he it, wherever he is needed, he works in that area. Robert teaches young people consistently over and over, and now he's doing our digital soundboard right now. 
and uh, it's very colorful, by the way, Robert. And then Steve, Steve also works with class, and he helps teach the class from time to time. Um, folks, I want to tell you, if you go to church, yes, ask your teacher if there's some area you can help. You can start slow. You don't have to dive right in and say, I want to teach a class. I want to do this. Like Kyle said, you can just be an usher. You can be a greeter at the back of your church. And what does that mean? That means you're going to have to sacrifice a little bit of your time. But that's what men do. I think, though, what Steve brought up, and those are good points, Mike, is the fact that you practice your leadership. And by doing stuff and getting involved, and it's easy, easy, easy while you're in a church of like-minded people. It's easy to get involved. Okay, well, then you take that out to your community where it may not be as easy, but because you've been around volunteers, you've been doing that here within the walls of like-minded people at church, you'll find yourself like Kyle being on the Homeowners Association board, which is not as easy of a leadership thing, but it's absolutely necessary. No, you're right. It's being a leader out in your community. So, but... It's experience getting used to being leadership and being no, in a No, I was on the school role. board in my city, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yes. that oh, was yes. fun. Oh, yes, oh, yes, yes. Yeah. You get shot, you don't get yeah. paid anything, and you get plenty of complaints. Right, from people. Right, right. If their children don't get to do what they think they should be doing. You're absolutely... Uh, yes, and, and Mr. Thank you Cropper, for that you're on Bill. the school board, and my kid is still stupid. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You need to be fired. Folks, you, that's Bill Cox. Right. I, I believe Bill they Cox said unexpectedly <laughs> funny on the, somewhere in our thingy because I'm like, okay, that one caught me off guard. So. Yeah. Well, and, and I think what it boils down to is oh, leadership man. is not passive. Leadership oh, no. is agree. The, the leader agree. that thinks, the leader that comes in and they think, I'm going to sit up here and I'm going to issue my decrees and they're going to be followed has zero clue as to what a leader really is and what a leader really does. And long and short of it, I'm just going to point you back to Christ. He, he, he put, he put, first of all, he defined leadership as the meek and meek means strength under control. It doesn't mean wimpy and all that. It means that you are controlling your strength. And then he was willing to put a tie up his robe and go do the dirtiest job that a servant had, which was wash people's feet that were walking around in the dust with the dung on them all day long. And then that's what the low servant got to do. He dropped and did that. That's what leadership is about. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and round the room one more time, get some final thoughts on leadership. Start with uh, Kyle Trahan. Well, you know, I was listening to Mike a minute ago, and he pointed out what I do, and Bill, Robert, Steve. You forgot. I think we need to find you a job here. <laughs> Mike does, Because uh, you joined our— I'm going to be ushering in the uh, balcony. Uh-huh, there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, you joined our church not too terribly long ago, although you've been coming I here did. forever. Uh, so, you know, I, I think did. it is high time we find him a job around here. It is. Um, you know, to that other point, you know, be observant, as we're saying. You know, look for the opportunities right. of where you can plug yourself in. We're men. You don't always have to ask permission. And I think you said something very close to that, Steve, is, you know, maybe you could say something to somebody or you can just do like me, order the little headpiece thingy and grab the radio. And when I get in, I thank the cops for joining us. And when I leave, I thank them for serving with us. No one asked me to do it. You know, um, don't wait on me to tap you on the shoulder. Because I'm always looking for somebody to do something, you know. But just keep your eyes open and look for that way to start strengthening yourself into that pillar in your church, your community, your family, your work. I mean, that branches into every area of our lives. And if we're trying to strive to be better, that'll show. People will notice. They'll see changes in you if you're making obvious choices in those directions and I know that sometimes is hard sometimes it doesn't show sometimes you don't want it to show you know 
Um, there was one question at the end of our lesson here, and I'll, I'll finish on this. Um, it was uh, question number four on page 69, if you're reading along. If I am to be a pillar of the church, what are some of the things God needs to refine within me? Wow. Uh, Michael Cropper, a takeaway from you. Yes, the, the author of our lesson says, A modern pillar in the church is a person who walks in the strength and endurance of God and who reminds those around them of God's faithfulness in provision and who brings stability in times of uncertainty. If this can be said of you, you are probably seen as a pillar in your, your local church. Um, so the next thing the author tells us or asks us, uh, practically speaking, how can I become a pillar in the church, which we've been talking about? And he gives four practical ways to do that. And, and the guys have mentioned this, Robert, Steve, Bill, and now Kyle. He says, begin by asking for God's strength on a daily basis. Then find a place to serve faithfully and do so with a joyful and encouraging spirit. And boy, folks, that's really important. If you cannot serve joyfully and encouraging, maybe you're not ready for a position yeah, don't, yet, don't right? Do something you want to do. Don't do that's true. That's true. I mean, when, when you that's base, true. It, it involves sacrifice in time, but don't don't do something you hate doing. Um, or you know, or, or very or true. Where it takes that that the, the the part of most of the job you're volunteering for or doing is is what you hate. There's always something, yeah, you know, maybe routine or boring or dull about every job. But yeah, do something if you if you if you like to if you like to cook barbecue, do the all night call barbecue. Me. Call yes, me. Yes, <laughs> yes. Call. He'll like he'll mentor do, you yeah, on how go, to do a brisket. Play to, play to your play to your talents and. Go, go yeah, ahead. yeah, no, that's good. Uh, and, and absolutely, folks, do what you want to do. Look for a place you enjoy what you're doing. You'll smile a lot God, easier. Use your it's true, absolutely true. Yeah. And look for ways in your church where you can prefer other preferences over your own, other people over your own, and ask God for specific ways you can encourage leaders in your congregation. Uh, I, I used to, at another church I was at, we used to have breakfast, prayer breakfast on Saturday morning, and I love to cook. I would go in there and fix breakfast early at 7 o'clock in the morning, go run, then go go to church. So I love to serve in that area. And and, and I'm giving that example because of what mm-hmm. Steve just said. Find something you like to do and serve in that area. Finally, uh, Kyle mentioned this. Do people consider you trustworthy? Do, they, do you always tell the truth? Do you remain free from gossip or at least attempt to remain mm-hmm. free from gossip, right? Yeah. Are you seen as a leader? Do you serve faithfully and joyfully in the ministry God calls you to do? Do you bring strength to the body, remaining calm in times of crisis, and always pointing others toward Jesus? Excellent. Uh, A takeaway from uh, you, Professor. So I I was thinking this through a little bit. When you're looking at pillars and leaders of the church, I think there are three things you have to remember. Number one, in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 is where it starts. It talks about we're all one body with many parts. It takes all of our skill sets to make the body of Christ happen and to go serve and reach out to a community. To do that, he's endowed each one of us with a different spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, where the, one of the places where the list of spiritual gifts are found. You may have one or two of them, but... More than likely, I personally have never met any individual that has every spiritual gift. <laughs> Just haven't, I have not run across that person in 50 plus years of going to church. And then finally, what we are all called to do, and this is, I think, in Galatians 5.22, we've, we've talked about it multiple occasions, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, every individual as a leader is called to have that fruit of the Spirit as they move through. And I think it's those three things that we judge all of our leaders on. And what makes us a pillar of the church is those three things together. Excellent. Uh, Producer Steve Titch, take away from you. Come out of the woodwork. And uh, church is a pretty safe place. No one's going to call you on the carpet. And I'm speaking from experience. I've taught Bible classes for years, going even back to my early Presbyterian days, uh, and and I can get I can get pretty radical. I've I've done at, at Man Up, 
Apparently, one of my most memorable lessons was when I risk management. When I compared yes, that was awesome. To, uh, spiritual action. <laughs> yes, and that I, was I've done great. a few poker-related uh, analogies in in my other classes, and uh, and and that's the least of it. And, and if you've listened to past podcasts of things I've said here, I, you know I'm not necessarily the most. Uh, the, the person that follows the doctrinal line straight down it, but no one has ever, no one has ever yelled at me. No one has ever said uh, what you did was way off base. Now I approach things prayerfully. I make sure I have scriptural backup for everything. I don't, I don't fly off the handle. But uh, I, I, in, they've given me a terrific amount of freedom, perhaps more than I deserve. Uh, and it's it, it's it's uh, it's a blessing to me, and I see that as a gift, uh, given who we have. But but even in in in, in other stuff that doesn't necessarily involve education, uh, no. If you step forward and want to cook burgers for the men's books and burgers, if you overcook a few, no one's gonna yell at you. Uh, no one. Unless it's Bill. Unless Bill is there. No one's gonna. You're not gonna. You're, you're not gonna get written up. They don't keep files. Uh, there is there's at no church, permanent record. At church, there's no there permanent be, record. Yeah, at church, there should be a, a complete uh, uh, spirit of love over everything that's done. And, there should be. Uh, yeah, it's it's a way to maybe cut your feet for the cut your teeth for a little bit more of the rough and tumble world that needs uh, leadership out there but it's a great place to begin and you're going to get a lot of support no one's that believe me your church needs you and and as we talk a lot in in this it, it, it being being a leader I think is 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 in our is in our makeup as men um, we want to lead something we want to take charge of something is certainly expected of us so uh, there, there we are. Church is a great place to build those skills and and exercise them. Excellent. And my uh, takeaway from this, uh, I, I've read a lot of comments over the years from all the individuals um, that listen to our podcast. And thank you so much. Go ahead and keep those coming. And the vast majority of the people that I'm speaking to out there are committed leaders in their community and certainly in their churches but there's a few of you out there that are not and those are the ones that i wanted to uh, uh, just speak to on this final comment and I, I really like what steve said earlier uh, that leadership is active and this is a quote from long ago i'd rather have an army of sheep led by a lion than an army of lions led by a sheep. And that's from Alexander the Great. And that's basically the way I feel in life. Uh, this is uh, the only go-around that I know of, so be bold. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Man Up Podcast number 217. <clears throat> Thank you so much to all our sponsors and supporters. So on behalf of our producer, Mr. Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Kyle Trahan, I'm Bill Cox, and we're on this No Church Answer Tour, so check out our new YouTube channel. Additionally, we do our podcast with a live audience, typically at men's ministry events, so if you see us, stop in and say hi, whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Pray.com. If you have any questions, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. And if you're still unable to uh, attend church, check out the Sugarland Baptist streaming service. It is on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org and starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m. And when you are ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church, why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group abf adult bible fellowship or sunday school class that you can join for small group discussions like this and find one that is men only and if there isn't one start one this is man up you've been listening to man up you want the truth you can't handle the truth dedicated to the uncommon man created by equally uncommon men if i were the man i was five years ago i'd take a flame through to this place you can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.